This talk is supported by SmallPDF, the successful Swiss scale-up making PDF easy for over a billion people around the world since 2013. You may remember them from a previous podcast we hosted with their CEO, Dennis Just. Their mission is to make PDFs and life easy for people across the world, a mission made possible with their 90-plus amazing employees across Zurich, Belgrade and Barcelona. If you want to join this fast-growing Swiss scale-up, visit smallpdf.com forward slash Swisspreneur and apply. If you look at the amount of products out there, you would think that the market is saturated. But there's more and more new brands, which is a teeny tiny bit of new angle. They find a complete new market. Welcome to the Swisspreneur Show, a podcast about startup stories and learnings from experienced entrepreneurs. Here's your host, Sylvan. Estella, a very well welcome to the Swisspreneur Show. It's a pleasure to have you here today. Thank you for having me. It was such a pleasure to come here. You're the co-founder and CEO of SkinMatch, a retail technology which uses AI to take the beauty industry to the next level. Before we talk about your startup, I want to start with your personal background. You actually studied and combined your passion for beauty with your interest in marketing. So I want to know from you, what do you think is the benefit of combining or studying something that you truly love? I think it's exactly that. If you truly love something, you can bring in your passion and you address stuff from a different angle. You, It's not just theory. It's like, okay, how can I apply this to the market? And it gets way more interesting, I think, if you're fully passionate about it. How do you discover your passion for beauty, but also for marketing? So marketing was a funny story. I um, originally wanted to become a fashion designer. Um, I didn't make it into the school that I wanted to. And then I was like, okay, let's just do marketing because and then at least I know how to market my own fashion and my own clothing. So I can <laughs> do that still. Obviously, I never became a fashion designer. Um, and the beauty industry um, is funny. It's be- it's not because I obviously use cosmetics myself. It's because the psychology behind beauty is so interesting to me. Um, it's if you look at the amount of uh, products out there, you would think that the market is saturated. Right. But there's more and more new brands, which is a teeny tiny bit of new angle. They find a complete new market. And it really depends on how, like, yeah, you position yourself as a brand and the psychology behind it and you attract new clients. And that was always really interesting to me. And then that also led you to get active in that space. Was that the motivation to, you know, also say, hey, I want to be active in that field? Absolutely. I always knew I wanted to go into beauty. Um, I also liked it better at the end than fashion because fashion is so fast paced. There's like new trends, new collection every every quarter now. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas beauty has brands that have more longevity and they have a history and they can build something more long term. So that was also the reason why I went with beauty at the end. Great. And after your university studies, you worked for different jobs. But then a few years after that, you then joined Rue 5, a beauty platform that combines digital consultation with fast and effortless shopping. And what is the relationship between Rue 5 and your current venture, SkinMatch? Yeah, so Rue 5, I founded in the US. It's a US LLC. And 
The idea behind it was a luxury e-commerce store where as a client, you can have your own profile and then based on the algorithm, the entire shop kind of like target sorts you. So you don't have to scroll along. You just find the perfect product. You find your skin tone, whatever you need. And we built basically an MVP of skin match technology in that store. And then, um, yeah, tested it out with the first clients, had to tweak lots um, I have to say, I completely underestimated the work that needed to be done. But yeah, that's kind of like the where it all started. So this is quite interesting. So basically, you solved a problem for your own platform and then got some interest from other companies who wanted to use the same technology to then build a business around that. Exactly. Um, so I talked to a lot of consumers and I asked them what is missing when you're shopping for beauty. And a lot of them said, well, I have sensitive skin or I have allergies or one ingredient or I'm a vegan. I also want that to apply that to my beauty uh, products. And so I was like, OK, easy. Let's build a database, kind of like uh, build something where customers can easily find their, their perfect fit product. And that's what we built. And then, yes, we did get approached by retailers asking us like, hey, we kind of like that technology that you're using. Is that something you could also build into our own system? And that's kind of how it sparked the idea to go B2B and the software as a service. And I guess that's the best starting point one could ask for, right? I mean, having this inbound interest, that's fantastic. I kind of like already had this idea that I'm going to build this this e-commerce store that I'm have this consumer facing brand. It's different to go like completely B2B. It's a complete new way of working. It took a shift, um, it took a while to get there, but at the end, I think it's, it was the absolute right idea. And you also shifted your setup because Rue saint founded as a solo founder, but now with SkinMatch, you actually looked for a co-founder. How did you meet your co-founder, Robert? Yeah, so um, Robert Baumgartner, um, I met at Rue Saint when I was looking for a developer. And I remember I was um, renting an office space with some architects and they were like, oh, he built our website. And I was like, yeah, no, I don't need a developer to just as a website. <laughs> and they were like, no, actually, for us, he did just a website, but he can actually do way more. So I was like, OK, I'll try it. And then he built the MVP at Rusank. He built the entire website custom. And when I came up with the idea of going B2B and purely software as a service, I knew I couldn't do it by myself. I knew he knew like everything that was my idea around the technology. He built it to that point. So I kind of like offered him to join me as a co-founder in SkinMatch Technology and start as a CTO. And I also wonder, now you experience both, you know, being the solo founder, but now also having a co-founder, is there a setup that you prefer to have? I love having a co-founder. Why? Um, so it was really hard at a certain point being a solo founder because I knew when I'm not there, it wasn't moving forward. And if you're just, you can imagine it like carrying something big like a sledge or whatever. And if you're two people, it just goes faster. It goes like longer, like you get further and that has been shown to be true and so I, I really enjoy working with Robert on Skin Match. Great and what actually makes you a good team how do you split the task I mean obviously he's building a tech platform but 
What makes you a good team? I think because we've always ever known each other through work, we know exactly, like whenever there's a new task, we know exactly if it's my task or his task. And that kind of, yeah, allowed us to never have a discussion. Like, obviously, we sometimes have to discuss like bigger contracts with some clauses and stuff if we want to do this or not. Um, but in general, like it's so clearly divided and there's also no, let's say, friendship or personal background mm -hmm. that we have. Of course, we've gotten to know each other over the years, but it was strictly business in the beginning and kind of like that was just easier. I, I'm still not sure if I would ever have chosen a co-founder that is like a friend of mine or something, mm -hmm. because, yeah, at the end, it's a business and yeah, we work great together. Then on the other hand, I mean, you also have a lot of opportunities out there, right? You could work for someone else. You could start your next company. If you don't have that personal connection, what then makes you stick together that you don't just jump on the next big opportunity that you have at hand? I think it's the company. Like, it's not each other. It's mm -hmm. we both believe that the time, blood, sweat and tears that we've invested into skin match technology was the, the right thing to do. And we're both not willing, willing to give that baby up. And I'm, to be honest, and that's, I think, generally a Swiss problem for startups, we could earn a lot of money in corporate. So, but we still believe that this is the right path. And I think that keeps us going. And what I'm also really curious about is you experimented a lot. You also have a, a long learning journey, basically, because you built the product for yourself first, but then also got the feedback from interested clients and eventually learned a lot by working with them. So the product market fit, that's something a lot of startups, you know, talk about, want to get to. Not all of them get there. For you, this seems to be like a, a very natural journey. You always adapted and, and, you know, eventually got there. So what can you talk about your product market fit journey? It's nicely said that you call it a natural journey. <laughs> I think, yeah, it, it was a hard journey. It was a long journey. Um, and we've learned a lot and we really needed to start focusing on it. We have this one approach now that's called 100 customers. And whenever we build a new feature or a new tool, we kind of let the first 100, even though sometimes it's not 100, but like the first few clients change it by their likes, because we think if these few customers love the product, then everybody else will as well. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we had to adapt loads in the beginning. And is there any tip that you could give to other startups out there who haven't reached product market fit yet on how to get there? I think first off, don't think you have reached market, product market fit because that was a big one for us. We thought we had because our first few clients were like happy with it. And then suddenly we were like, what is happening? Nobody's signing up. Like, what is wrong? It took us a while just because we thought we had it and it's just the wrong clients. So yeah, first off, don't think you have it. You never have it. <laughs> like, And the second one is like, be open to ask the questions you don't want the answers to. Right. Because sometimes you know what's wrong with your product, but you also know how big of work is behind it. So you may be dreading that question. Never like, never be afraid. Just ask the questions you don't want the answers to. There's a really nice quote that comes to my mind. It's like, the success that you will eventually have in life will be determined by the amount of uncomfortable conversation you're willing to have. 
I think that's very accurate. I agree accurate. with that. I agree with that. I'm still <laughs> struggling with that, but I'm agreeing. Step by step getting there. Yeah. Now, I also wonder how does your business model work? Because on one side, you work with a lot of startups, so you're very startup friendly, but you also work with very established corporates. Mm -hmm. So how does your business model work? How can you accommodate for both of them? Yeah, so pricing is also one of the topics in product market fit that we have been investing a lot of time at figuring out what's the right thing. So first off, what we've completely scratched is a setup fee. We've uh, encounter that a lot of companies do not like a setup fee but they don't mind pay our higher monthly fees right so and then as you mentioned startups well, to big scale companies like Douglas and L'Oreal um, we based on traffic and usage so all of our tools are either like based on when customers are using them I mean their customers. So depending on their traffic and how they're using the tool, that's how much they're paying. And that has proven to be quite a good pricing model because yeah, they they get it. They're like, okay, I got millions of traffic. It's fine, I pay that price. And then for the startups, we have a base price of 100 um, euros or Swiss francs, which we treat the same. Um, and then up to a certain usage is included in then 100 a month. It's also something they can just calculate easily. They're like, okay, do I have 100 a month? Yes or no? And then based on that, they can make a decision. And once they grow, they go into the regular pricing. Great. And why was it so important for you to also have these startup-friendly offerings? Because the beauty space, you know, from the outside, doesn't look like there are a lot of startups in there, but that's probably a wrong assumption from my side. Yes, yeah, so the startup world in beauty is huge. There's also, I've never seen so many exits in beauty either because uh, there's a huge trend about natural cosmetics and more corporate responsibility and the bigger brands such as L'Oreal, Estee Lauder and so on, they're struggling a bit to make that jump. Also in a, in a way of kind of, they don't want to lose their old customers, but they also want to target that market. So they're buying more and more of these startups. And then of course, more of these startups are like popping out of the market. So of course. Um, we believe that by serving those clients who are already, or generally have already a very digital mindset, it's a very easy entry for us, like to get our um, software included there. But also it's an investment in the future because some of these startups will grow. And as we charge per traffic, long term, that will like scale as well. Amazing. It all makes sense now. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, we talked about the journey, how you got to your product, but we haven't really talked about the solutions that you provide. You actually have three different products that you offer. Can you talk a bit more about the use cases of the skin match technology and where you apply them? Yes. So the first one is our classic product finders. We have them for foundations, for skincare or for hair care or even body care, um, where our clients, the brand or the retailer can put together a couple of questions for their consumers to find the perfect routine. And we then kind of like scan their entire inventory and display the best matching products for that client and let them add it to the basket and explore others. Um, the other, the next one is the Inky Explainer. So Inky is the name for ingredient list. And if you have ever looked at the ingredient list of one of your products, you probably don't understand a lot of these. 
So what we've developed is kind of like a mouse over functionality over the ingredient list that explains to you where this ingredient is sourced from, what it's used for in the, in the products, what its effect is on the skin, and if you need to pay attention if you have sensitivities or allergies. Mm-hmm. And we offer that in, I think, up to 11 languages right now. Um, and the third one is clean beauty. Huge, massive trend in the beauty industry. Um, I think Sephora was one of the first retailers coming up with clean by Sephora. So every retailer has started to create their own clean beauty concept. But if you think of it, every retailer stocks up to 500, 600 brands. And then again, up to 10, 20,000 SKUs. So they have to have someone within the company like asking the brand, are you vegan? Are you paraben free? Are you like, there's a lot of work. So what we've done is creating a software that checks the ingredient lists based on the retailer's concept for clean beauty and automatically display the clean beauty icons. In episode 223, we spoke to Carlo Badini. Now's your chance to meet Carlo and me in person at the upcoming Unfold event. On March 31st, we will be at the Bierhübeli in Bern, ready for a day of inspiring exchanges. You can expect talks from Alan Frey, the founder of Amorana, Nicolas Hanni, founder of Nikin, Jörg Grossen, national councillor and GLP president, and many more. Before, in between and after the talks, you can meet creative minds, network and think outside the box. If you want to learn more about entrepreneurship and how innovation and creativity can help you in your business, secure your place on EventFrog now. And don't forget to enter the code SWISSPRENEUR2022 as your access key when checking out for a discount of 10 francs. See you there. Amazing. And I get that from the user perspective, from the consumer perspective, right? You help me find the right product for me. You help me better understand what's actually in the product. Mm -hmm. But what's the benefit for the retailers? Why should they choose your software? So yeah, the clean beauty one is is an example of just minimizing efforts. Same with the Inky Explainer. Mm -hmm. Um, It's literally the beauty world still works with Excel sheets if it comes to that. So... I even have beauty brands sending me their product descriptions via WhatsApp. Um, wow. <laughs> wow. So, yeah, so having it in a clean database, like they, the yeah, reducing work, basically. Mm-hmm. You can either integrate or code once, takes you five minutes, and then you'll always have ingredient lists and explanation in every language, or you can hire someone that works full time and talks to the brands and gathers these lists and adds them in each language on your website. Yeah, quite a no brainer. And then on the product finder side, it's at the end it's conversion. Conversion and average baskets that have shown to be higher with our solution, especially for new clients who are looking yeah, for something new or um, haven't experienced all of the brands that you carry. Um, and then again, in the startup world, if your first contact with a, with a potential client is digital, you need to offer them guidance. Mm-hmm. You don't want them to scroll down a page and like read 20 marketing descriptions of products. You want them to find a, a perfect fitting solution quite fast. And that's where the product finders come in. Amazing, because usually you help a company make more money or save them money. You actually do both at the same time. Yes, it depends on which solutions they're using, but yeah. 
Now, I would also like to talk about the challenges and obstacles along the way. Let me start with the technology development. You already you know, mentioned it's, it's an ongoing process. It's always improving, always changing. With what we just heard, you have the, the three different products that you offer, the services, the software. So now the question is, of course, how do you maintain all three of them? Isn't that a very complex thing to do from a technology standpoint? Funny enough, it's not the technology that is kind of like what we should focus on. It's more the, the database behind it. So we have created our own product database. So we have over 110 different product categories. Each of these product categories has a different form that needs to be filled in for the product to be connected to the algorithm as well as to the Inky explainer. Um, The same we have on the ingredient side. And we are just continuously growing in that database to be able to cover more and more products. But then again, as we're working, for instance, with several retailers at the time, let's say ASOS gives us a new list with products, we add them. And then, I don't know, Import Parfumery gives us a list, we add them. Some of them are even like coming from both ends, Mm -hmm. and we're able to cover them for future clients as well. So every product is centralized. And that's the only place where we continuously grow and continuously have to work on. Whereas the code itself, the algorithm itself, just works for the different product categories and doesn't need tweaking specifically. In that regard, you're actually able to sell a single set of data, basically, right? Exactly. So it's always the same. So if I'm adding, um, let's say, a new Estee product, Mm -hmm. we integrate the ingredient list. Ingredient list gets connected to our ingredient database. And therefore, we already covered Clean Beauty, Inky Explainer, and the Product Finder for that one product. That's amazing and sounds very scalable. It is. Um, Obviously, we still need to grow with the market. As I said, more new startups, more new products. But as we built it in a way that we have a centralized database, once a product is added, it works for all retail clients and all brands. So um, that makes it still like efficient for for what we are offering. Great. And of course, you also want to grow your client base. So how big of a challenge is it for you to acquire new clients, especially also thinking outside of Switzerland, because you have to go very international from day one, basically. We invested a lot in SEO. SEO currently is our absolute biggest um, way of getting new clients. We also do a lot of direct marketing, everything that is quite low cost. And here, I think the pandemic was helping us a lot because clients don't expect you to quickly fly to London and present yourself. You can just have an online call. And as long as the time zones allow it, it's fine with clients from Australia up to Canada and it works just fine. It's even sometimes um, with these very long distance clients even better because we can work overnight and have the solution ready by the next day. So that is more efficient in, in general. And they're probably also blown away by the speed that you show them how fast you can implement. Yeah. And I also think like generally Swiss quality and the way of working and like the way we make sure as like Swiss people to deliver um, things in a certain way, um, we get a lot of feedback based on that, on the service level and kind of like the quality of that. So I think that's a plus as well. Absolutely. And in the prep call that we did together, you also mentioned that you changed something in your sales process 
to reduce the lead time from nine months to only three months. So of course, now everybody wants to hear your tactic <laughs> and your secret that you pulled out there. Well, at the end, it wasn't a sales tactic. It was more, we figured out that um, it was easy to convince the business part of a company that they wanted our solutions. However, the way we integrate um, used a lot of tech people from their end and none of the companies had capacities or were allowed to get capacity. Um, we even once spoke to a big retailer and they were like, um, we have a sprint stop for the next eight months because we need to switch servers. So we were already new back like at that moment, okay, it's gonna be at least six, uh, eight months until we can take up the conversation again. Right. So we ran into that a lot of times and that led to this almost a year long like talking period until we actually went live with anything. So we completely switched up how we integrate and now we made it in a way that business people and that's actually what I say in the call is like, you and me, we can integrate this code. And like, I can show you on a screen or I can just send you the instructions and you're able to do it. And that changed everything. That's amazing. And also, again, a very great example of how to understand your customers and then also implement the feedback. And I mean, that's a game changer. One third lead time. Yeah. Crazy. Absolutely. It was it was a very big one. Um, and I'm happy we, we, we caught that. <laughs> Absolutely. I also want to talk about your business model one more time. Mm -hmm. And this time challenge you a bit because your plan starts at 100 euros per month, basically, with the startup plan. And then you also have to pay per use on top of that if they sort of outgrow that plan. Now, from a business model perspective, you know, 100 euros per month, that's not that much of revenue, right? So how can you actually build a sustainable business model with these numbers? First off, definitely if it comes to the startups, it's mass and it's also customer lifetime value. Um, and as long we see it a lot with startups that one of the only reasons why they would stop our services is because they have their own financial troubles and that's just the startup world. But other than that, they stick with us for a very long time. So, and after six months, we basically make profit um, because the amount of effort we had to set it up um, was not that much um, because they share a lot of the information and they're also easier to handle than the big corporates because you have less rounds of like looking at things. They have like fast decision making, um, but it's definitely something that we are looking into and is one of our biggest next steps is really going more into a completely automated setup. So basically sign up is automated. Um, you just add your credit card, you kind of like put together your own solution and paste it on your website and you're done. And we're also looking into Shopify integrations because I think 90, 80 to 90% of the startups are on Shopify. Yeah, not surprising. So you really want to build that to a more self-service model to further lower your acquisition costs. On the other hand, if it's not a startup that you work with, but more of a corporate, they also have this paper usage, uh, you know, part of the, of the deal of the business model. How do you actually help them then to drive the usage? Because from your point of view, you need to have a strong interest to also have strong traffic from them. Otherwise, you don't get paid that much, right? Yes, and we cannot influence it that much um, because 
I think the only thing that we really can influence is helping them place it on the right like place on the website mm -hmm. and creating that initial customer funnel. Um, but other than that, it's very much yeah, dependent on them, how they are driving traffic to their website. So for right. us, it's less of a how can we drive traffic to their site and more of a how big of a client is this. Um, and then depending on that, um, work with them. So it's more about making use of their traffic, but not being responsible for generating traffic. Exactly. Was that ever a challenge for you that somebody didn't have enough traffic? So it was a lot of setup effort, etc., but not really the traffic you were hoping for? Yes. So it's sometimes surprising. Sometimes, like, obviously, we always make some assumptions in the beginning by, based on the, the numbers they give us, where we so they have an idea of the the cause that is going to hit them in the first month. Right. <laughs> um, but yeah, we've had very surprising encounters with some that were like exploding and we both like me and the client were like, oops, okay, my assumption was completely wrong. Um, and then others that were in my eyes kind of like underperforming in base of traffic and what I was expecting. But yeah, it's at the end, yeah, you just go with the client and then you just hope for the best and you know at least more or less what is coming from that client so you can base your service level on that a bit as well. Right. Do you have any number that you can share here? What the average monthly fee that the larger cl clients pay? So, yeah, we have three customer types. The the startup ones, I mentioned, they're at 100. Right. Then we have the mid-sized clients, which are the bigger beauty brands, not retail. Mm -hmm. They are, I think the average is 650 to 700. Right. And then the big clients, which are usually like international retailers are between two and a half and three and a half thousand per month right yes yeah great now it also makes a lot of sense to put in the effort there right yes absolutely and we've also seen the startups there's no upselling possibility mostly mm -hmm. but with retailers we usually start with one solution and then they add the others as well great. so we have i think i would say 70 percent of our big retailers have all three solutions yeah. amazing that's great upselling potential right there absolutely now you work with the big brands you have many many products and product categories on your platform now of course you also wonder what's next for skin match what do you have planned for the future so for us definitely the we call it the do-it-yourself version of skin match yeah. so working heavily on the ux uh, making it understandable for even like like less digital people to be able to put together a questionnaire, set the, the colors in it, like exchange the font and all of these things um, simply and buy yourself online and then adding it to your website because, yeah, we think this big scalability is definitely in the, in the startup world while the big retail clients, they need more like the one-on-one -on -one agency style work. Right. So... The definitely do-it-yourself version of Skin Match and Shopify plugins. Do you also plan to raise any funds to finance that growth and the product expansion? Yes, actually, which is starting. Um, I haven't officially started yet, but we will. Um, we are looking just to kind of like set up the the shop up until the Shopify plugins and retest the conversions and the sales funnel on that. 
um, we're looking for 550,000 uh, Swiss francs. Perfect. So all the investors reach out to you. Yes, please do so. You've also just been nominated as a Swiss Economic Forum Award finalist. And I also just wanted to quickly ask you, what do these awards mean to you? It was this one actually was very nice um, to be a finalist. I'm, I haven't I have not won. <laughs> I, I am a finalist, but it was really nice to me. Um, it was really nice for me because when I started having my own company and going into the entrepreneurial world, it was in the US. And when I came back to Switzerland, I was kind of a bit shocked by the scene in Switzerland. Um, and I haven't completely figured out what it is, but I I was a bit, yeah taken aback by people's reaction because we are all happily employed here. Like people sometimes don't get why I would in their eyes, waste my time <laughs> in my own company. And getting nominated by the Swiss Economic Forum is really showcasing that my work does get seen in Switzerland as well, even though we've long gone outside of Switzerland for our clients. And so, yeah, I absolutely appreciated it. And I'm really happy just to be a finalist. So we look very much forward to the actual uh, award ceremony in summer this year. Absolutely, me too. So to wrap up the episode, we have two last parts for you. The first one is about your personal resources and gadgets recommendations. Anything you can share with us there? One of the books that I read back in the day that really helped me create a business model that was scalable was E-Myth. It's a really weird title and it's it's an, it's by Gerber, I think was the name. Um, it the basis of the book is really to understand the difference between creating the coffee shop around the corner and the Starbucks. And what I took from that one is I want to build a company like McDonald's in software. So basically it can be run by students, um, but super scalable. So I approach my company in that way, which means I have to automate all the processes, which also means that we can be way more efficient with a smaller team. That just allowed us to build a company with less resources and be way bigger out there in the market with a smaller team. And the second one, even though, of course, I love this podcast as well, I also listened to How I Built This. Great one. Um, I really like it because it just helps you understand that it's not just you struggling, even the big ones have struggled and they have had their path of ups and downs. And yeah, it's good to hear sometimes. And whenever I have one of these rough patches, I, I listen to how I built this. Amazing. Yeah. Great recommendations. Now for the very last part, I would like to ask you some rapid fire questions. So I either give you a short question or different options to choose from and you have to answer in one sentence. All righty, let's go. Zurich or Bern? Zurich. Why? You, because you were born in Bern. Yes, but I mean, have you heard my Swiss accent? <laughs> Fair point. Solo founder or founding team? Founding team. Bootstrapping or VC money? Bootstrapping. Favorite beauty product? Ooh, Shiseido. That, this is going to get me in trouble with lots of my clients. <laughs> <laughs> Switzerland or the United States? Hard one. I love the quality of Switzerland. Um, I love many things about the US, not politics. 
everything else. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so it's a tie game. Yes. And the last one, lake or mountains? Lake. That was a bit hesitant. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I was just snowboarding yesterday, so I was like, um, no, but I, lo- I like, I would love to have an apartment with Lakeview because it calms me down and it just, I, I live two minutes from the lake right now. So, um, yeah, it, it gives me calm and gives me the space to just have a rest and mind and peace. Fantastic. Yeah, Estella, thank you so much for stopping by. It was a pleasure talking to you and I wish you all the best and lots of success with everything that is yet to come. Thank you so much. And uh, those were some great questions. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you did, you can support us by rating our show on Apple Podcasts. This way, we can reach an ever-growing number of aspiring entrepreneurs.